We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into another edition of the Lock It Up with Kurtz podcast. I am John Kurtz. I am joined, as I always am, by Aaron Lockett, a K-State legend, former Wildcat wide receiver, punt returner extraordinaire, and a relative of Tyler Lockett, another title that uh, he wears proudly these days. We appreciate the help of uh, everybody that's involved here in bringing you the show, including 360 Vodka and Holiday Distillery. Man, we are getting close to the football season. We're going to be talking about fall camp today which is exciting, some actual tangible football in addition to a little bit of conference realignment. But that means that it's time to go tailgate again, which I know for a lot of people, I hear from so many people asking me about like, hey, things going to be okay attendance-wise at the stadium. Right now, been told nothing to the contrary of that. So you can get back and fire up the tailgates. And when you do, make sure that you bring your 360 vodka. Those guys are awesome, and it is great stuff, very versatile you can do a lot with it, whatever it is that you uh, that you prefer. If you're trying to take shots, if you're trying to make some cocktails, I don't know what your style is. Maybe it's going to be both if you're just excited to get back to uh, Bill Snyder Family Stadium. But check out 360 Vodka. They do great things helping us out here with the pot. So with that being said, Aaron, so close to football season, man. Fall camp is here. Uh, how excited are you that we are just a couple of weeks away? September 4th, man, like what, four weeks? Less than four weeks away almost from K-State football being here? I think it's it's almost 22 days. I, I just got pinged on Twitter, and I saw, uh, because it's 22 days, I saw a highlight of myself. I saw a highlight of Deuce, and shout out to all the 22s, so Dante Barnett and all the guys, Jimmy Jimmy Dean, all the guys that were 22 through K-State. Uh, it's definitely got a, a brand of its own, and so they talk about the sevens, and I get it, quarterbacks and Colin and Bishop and Skyler, but 22s got a brand of his own as well it does you know you rattled off a lot of names there i was like man jimmy dean that's a good poll i always remember the cotton bowl i think he he caught that hail mary at the end of the first half of the cotton bowl <laughs> way back in the day but uh yeah i how did, how did you choose 22 was that what you always were coming up or was that just at k-state so i was a big Deion sanders fan growing up and so in high school i wore 21 and so I had the whole Nike band around my neck. I played offense and defense. And so I thought I was primetime. I thought I was Deion Sanders. And I got to Kansas State and Marlon Charles had it. And he was not giving it up. And so I got the next number that was closest to it, which was 22. Uh, and my dad wore 22 when he played basketball. So I wore 22 back in, in high school for that as well. But 
Yep, I wanted to be Deion Sanders. I wanted to play both ways, and I ended up being a one-way receiver that wore 22. <laughs> okay, well, you know, close enough. Close enough. I like that. Marlon Charles, another good pull there. All right, some K-State nostalgia to uh, to get this fired up. You know, fall camp is is in swing for these guys now. <clears throat> we talked to Chris Kleiman on Tuesday of this past week and then the offensive coaches on Wednesday. So I have a pretty good sense of where things are at offensively. And generally, I think there's, at least to me, less optimism about the defense right now. Just some more holes, some more question marks on that side of the ball. But, you know, before we dive into some of the details of that, there are three or four practices in here at this point. And I know I've seen some of the players on social media kind of making light of the fact of just like how, how much of a grind this this fall camp can be. And it sounds like the energy, effort, intensity of the offseason into fall camp has been on a different level this year, in part because of Tremaine Carroll, who's the new strength coach that K-State has had in there. Just, Aaron, what, describe to us what, what the grind of a fall camp is like. I mean, I know you were under different coaching staff and different. it was a different time, different rules as far as what it was that you could do practice-wise, but how, how difficult of a time is this for players? Well, it's one of those times where you try to figure out how do I make it through, right? You try to prepare the whole offseason to make sure that when it's time to go to two-a-days, you know what's going on and fall camp is here. And the reality is you can't prepare for it. You know, you just got to go in there and, and the hype is there. So people want to play well so bad and they want to earn their positions that, you know, you end up stressing your body out. So you've got to be diligent about, you know, how you preserve your legs. You got to get in the ice tubs. You got to make sure you get your massages. And honestly, 24 hours in a day just doesn't seem long enough. Like when practice is over, you know, after watching film, getting back to the dorm room, eating dinner, before you know it, it's time to go to bed. And then you wake up at 5.30 a.m. and you do it again. So it is definitely a grind. I think the first 10 days, you're just trying to get through, right? All the, They're trying to implement all the new offenses and defensive and put their wrinkles on it. But for the most part, if everything you did in the summer, right, you bulked up, you put all this weight on, You've got this this new mask. Does it work when you go to fall camp? Because that's what's the telltale of did you do the right things in the summertime? And you really just want to win your position. And everybody's coming in competing. There's new faces. There's new opportunities. And so it becomes stressful across the board. And so you see a lot of injuries that happen in fall camp. But if you can make it through, then you've got opportunity to have a great season. Yeah, I saw Mike DeVito and Jeff Allen uh, on one of the other podcasts here on the the KC Sports Network talking about the conditioning test when they got to NFL <laughs> training camp, right? What was the what was the Bill Snyder conditioning test that you guys had to go through? It was a 300-yard shuttle. So, yeah, it was a 300-yard shuttle, uh, 60 yards, uh, five ways, right? So you run down, you run back, and the whole team is cheering you on. What's ironic about that is I was all, I've always been one of the faster guys on the team, if not the fastest. And I struggled every year during that just because I'm not a long distance runner, but I'm a sprinter. And so I would run 60 yards and you got to touch the line and run back 60 yards. And I, I would just be like, you got to be kidding me. And so I would always <laughs> find myself towards the very end having to really pick it up to make sure I made my time. But, yeah, there's a time that if you don't make your time, at least in the Snyder days, then you find yourself running it uh, Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. or 6 a.m. to be exact. And then you would still have to make sure you did a conditioning test before you practice. Yikes. Yeah, that seems tough. I, Frank Murphy, about the only guy that could have been faster than you when you were at K-State? Frank gave me a run for my money. Uh, Terrence gave me a run for my money. Terrence can go. Oh, Terrence, yeah. uh, Terrence Newman can run. Uh, uh, Isaac, uh, what is Ike's name? Isaac Harvin. Uh, he was a DB that came out of Garden City. He was a 4-2 guy. Um, David Allen can run. 
You know, he wasn't a four-two, but David yeah. was was shifty enough to where you know if you if you wasn't running, Demetrius Butler can run. Like we, Cooper can run. Like we had some guys that can go. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scobie was a four-three guy. Um, honestly, I think when I played back back in the the late nineties, early two thousands, we probably had ten to twelve guys that were easily a four-three or better. Which is insane. I mean, that's why those teams were. That's why you guys were winning eleven games every single year. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of talent, a lot of talent on those teams. Maybe not quite at that level right now, but I think there is, as we mentioned, a lot of optimism about the offense that this team has in in 2021. And I could definitely sense that again in hearing from Chris Kleiman and the offensive coaches. And to me, it really goes back to when I was at Big 12 Media Days in Dallas, which has been three, four weeks ago. That was when I first started to hear from Chris Kleiman just how pumped he seemed to be about the offense. Now, now he's somebody that he'll he'll gas up his players quite a bit. He's very much right. a player's coach. He wants to say a lot more of that in the media than what Bill Snyder did. But, you know, I mean, we've heard so much about the offensive line, how deep they seem to be there. But I think it really obviously starts with when you have a sixth-year senior coming back at quarterback who is as motivated as he is after what happened last year, who spent the entire offseason and, and the season like in the coach's booth learning the game from that aspect and just adding to all the command that he has of the offense I, I think that is the biggest reason for optimism here just that you have so much experience back at quarterback in a position where last year Will Howard was just put in a completely unfair spot as a true freshman without spring ball or anything like that to help prepare him yeah Skyler's the, the the heartbeat of the offense. Um, I think his maturity, um, obviously he's had some adversity on and off the field. Um, excited to see him play this year, right? Staying injury-free is going to be big for him, but everybody on that offensive unit is looking for him uh, to be the mainstay, to go out there and play well, keep everybody consistent, make people are where they're supposed to be, connecting the dots. And so um, obviously he's a leader. Um, he's very successful within his career so far. Like I said, if you just look at stats alone, his uh, touchdown to interception ratio uh, is superb. He started off great last year, just ran into the injury bug. And from there, I think he's had an opportunity to think about, okay, how can I come back and really re-energize this offense? And so gave a lot of young guys an opportunity to play, but Skyler's it. Yeah, he, he's the man. I think we all said last year, if he didn't get hurt, uh, what would K-State record look like? And so nobody knows, but this year is an opportunity uh, for him to go out there and show and prove what he's done in the offseason and how it can make this offense go. Yeah, I mean, I would still contend outside shot at, at being a Big 12 championship game team, like making it to the Big 12 title game, I think was something that was a possibility for K-State if he had stayed healthy because he seemed to be playing the best football of his career through the first couple of games of the year. I mean, we saw what happened against Oklahoma, but, you know, even Arkansas State, maybe just a touch rusty, some receivers dropping some balls, but Texas Tech, he was very good before he got hurt that game. So, yeah, I think there's tons of reason to be excited about what Skyler can bring to the table this year. And we heard that, in practice, he's he looks fine. There's no worry about the injury. I mean, that was it was a pretty rough injury. You know, you're talking about a pec injury for a quarterback that's going to affect yeah. a lot in terms of trying to throw the ball. Um, but all, all word out of camp is that he looks as good as ever and definitely has command of the offense. And he's got his running mate, Induce Vaughn, back, who is not just one of the most electrifying players in the country, but just an absolute coach's dream. I mean, I one thing I try to reiterate to anybody that asks me about Deuce Vaughn is – just how unbelievable of a kid he is like he's a coach's son and so he's got this level of maturity that is just so atypical of somebody at his age and it just leadership qualities like in in all the intangibles everything that you would look for and the things that you think about that like a bill snyder loved in his program deuce brings all of that to the table in addition to all the ability that he has so 
I think the sky's the limit, and they they seem to plan to use him 20 to 25 touches per game and in a bunch of different ways, whether that's out in the slot or out of the backfield. I mean, there's there's just a ton to be excited about with him. You know, I think you hit it on the head, right? He's a coach's son, right? And so Deuce is versatile. I think we had opportunity last year to see him play well uh, in the backfield, but the biggest thing that impresses me is he can catch the rock. You know, you put them on the outside, whether it's a flat route, rather, whether it's underneath, get mismatches against linebackers and strong safeties. It's like that's where you can utilize him to the most. I think that's it is to the offense. And so had a chance to check out some of his social media because um, he just intrigues me. I saw him down in Austin working out, and the only thing I see him was running curl routes and out routes and go routes and, and, and flats. And I'm like, he's a running back, but he's out there catching a rock like a wide receiver. And so I think the more he expands his game, the more we'll get we'll get a chance to fall in love with Deuce. And so last year was an introduction to him for the Big 12. Um, he won't be new to a lot of these defenses anymore, so he's going to have to change his game, and they're going to have to utilize him in a different way. But I'm a Deuce fan, you know, not 22 because he gets it done on the field. Yeah, well, and I, I love the point about the versatility. I love hearing that you're seeing him work out and running all those routes because, I look, use him as a receiver as much as you can. This team has been – kind of lacking in consistent production from the receiver room for the last couple of years. And a lot of that has been health-based, but whatever you can do to utilize that weapon as much as you can. And I think it goes hand in hand with the fact that it's Courtney Messingham's third year as the offensive coordinator, but it's really only his second year having the full complement of what it is that he wants to do because last year COVID affected how much they could be meeting and practicing. They didn't get spring ball. Then his quarterback goes down in week three, and he's dealing with a true freshman that, I mean, that's just going to scale down dramatically what you can do with the offense. So I kind of look at this from an offensive coordinator standpoint as really like the true second year where you can evolve some of what you're doing. And when you have, again, a guy's experience as Skyler and a weapon like Deuce, I would imagine that we can see a lot of pretty creative wrinkles as far as that goes. I'm waiting to see it. Like you said, this is, this is uh, you know, the OC's opportunity to come in uh, year two, really, right? Even though you said year three, but they've got to put it together. They've got the tools. We've seen glimpse of guys go out there and do magical things. I'm looking for them to throw the ball better this year. Uh, I'm looking for us with, with uh, you know, with True coming on board to stay healthy. I'm looking for us to be physically fit in the Big 12 and not be overpowered. And like I said, the Iowa State game last year just showed it us that we had strides to go. And so now, um, starting the year off the Stanford game, I'm ready to go out there and play hard. And so I'm rooting for these guys. I think they have the talent. Um, actually, I know they have the talent in some positions. Can they put it all together to be determined? And so that's what we're rooting for here. But with Skylar behind quarterback, uh, Deuce running the rock, and then you've got, you know, Brooks and the team outside, I think there's some changes that we can definitely go out there and make this year. Yeah, and Phillip Brooks will be relied upon quite a bit. I mean, he he can be a pretty steadying force at receiver, and he's a name that – doesn't get brought up a whole lot just because I think he's overshadowed by Deuce. And then at receiver, you know, we're always talking about Malik Knowles. And, and to me, he's been, in a weird way, one of the focal points of the offense for a couple of years now. And I say in a weird way because he hasn't really been healthy and out there all that much. But that's the key. Like, he's got, to me, first-team All-Big 12 kind of talent if he can stay healthy. That's yeah. just always been the issue. Healthy and I think just locked in mentally. But as far as that goes – Dating back to the end of last year when he he kind of exploded the last couple of games, Baylor through the end of the season, he was much more effective. And the coaches started saying, like, we're seeing a totally different commitment out of him right now. That's continued into the offseason. Supposedly he has added on some weight, which hopefully helps with the durability. 
And right now they seem to be very heavily invested in him being the guy at, at receiver. And man, back to the beginning of the 2019 season, he and Skyler were on the same page. And that was a really tantalizing combination to watch. I, I have very high hopes, but cautious optimism, I think, for Malik with just how we've seen how, how much he's been injured throughout his career heading into this year. Yeah, I mean, Malik has what you call God-given talent, right? And it's not just the physical attributes, right? Being a, being a 6'2", 6'3", guy, um, flat out can fly. You know, you've seen him back there as a kickoff returner take it to the house, and so he's electrifying. Um, and so they need to find a way to get the ball in his hands, whatever it is, right? We, we used uh, – when I played, we used his hands. Let him showcase his talent. And so I think one of the things you need to do with receivers, especially younger receivers, is you got to build their confidence. Right. They got to know that they're going to be part of the offense. You can't wait to the end of the first quarter or midway through the second quarter to get them a touch. Get them a touch early. Right. If it's just raising up and throwing the ball. And so as I've talked to a lot of receivers that play the game, whether it's college or pro, everybody involved early. You want to get that early hit out the way. So you say, OK, I'm ready to go. Here we are. And so they've got to be intentional about making sure they get they get Knowles and they get Brooke. Give all of these guys touches early. So you know what you're working with, because you never know who's going to have a great game or who's going to have an exceptional game. And so until you get the ball into their hands, you don't know that. But you've got to do that early and often. So those 15 scripted plays that most people have, you've got to make sure you use your key players when doing that. Yeah, I, I very much agree. I think Malik is somebody that when when you get him the ball early in the game, get him in the flow of the offense, it makes a big difference. And he's not the only weapon. I mean, the guy that I hear a lot about is Daniel Amaterbebe, who's a transfer tight end. Um, he's been around a lot of places, Florida, USC, most recently Illinois. His brother just got taken in the NFL draft. Big-time talent, too, and we saw last year how they were able to utilize Briley Moore as a tight end in, in that kind of a role. I think, honestly, a matter baby is a more talented version of Briley Moore. He just also has an injury history, but, hey, between him and Sammy Wheeler, if they can keep some of these tight ends healthy, Nick Lenners, I, I think they should have some weapons there, too, and the offensive line is as deep. I mean, Connor Riley, who's the offensive line coach, telling us the other day we asked just like hey how much different is it this year with actual experience and a lot of depth and he said man we're it's a lot more fun <laughs> a lot more yeah. fun this year than it was last year so you know I mean I think you put all those pieces together you feel like they really can have something offensively no I I agree uh you know getting beat up last year wasn't fun but it did give a lot of our young guys experience and so hopefully they can take that experience and come in and use it to their benefit but you know, I think for us as an offensive unit, you've got to lean on, once again, it goes to Skyler um, and it goes to, the, to the, the older gentlemen that are there, the older, the older seniors. And so for us, it's around what does a big 12 look like? And so as you go into the big 12, you're going to you're going to be competitive, whether it's you're talking about Baylor, you're talking about Iowa State. You've got to find a way to go in there and score points. And so I think the offense now I'm looking for them to put up 25 plus points a game. And I think that gives us a chance, right? Then you don't have to say defense. I need you to pitch a shutout. I just need you to contain them within three touchdowns or 21 points when we got a chance to win. And so offense has got to score, though. It can't be in those 3-0, 7-0 games. That just won't work in the Big 12. And so I'm looking to put points on the board this year. Yeah, it won't work in the Big 12. And especially, I think, with this defense, more of the load is going to have to be carried by the offense, certainly, than it was last year with, with some of the holes there. As we transfer to the defense, now I don't want to be – too reactionary to what we saw last year, especially at the end of last year. The, the game against Iowa State was not good, 45 to nothing. You give up 69 points to Texas at the end of the year because that defense in particular had been hit so hard by COVID and then transfers. I, I think one of the toughest transfers to absorb last year was Will Jones, who was a member of the secondary. He was their starting nickel. Yeah. 
and he had decided to leave by the end of the year. And that that caused some real problems. I mean, they had Elijah Sullivan playing safety, for instance, at the end of the year against Texas. That was just a sign of the times on where they were at. So take that with a grain of salt as far as the defense goes. But to me, there are some real holes in the front seven, especially at linebacker. And then, hey, does somebody have the high-level ability of Wyatt Hubert on the defensive line? But the secondary really should be a strength of the team. You know, you mentioned, Aaron, hey, they they have the talent in some areas on this roster. The secondary is one place where you definitely have to look because they've infused it with a lot of talent from the transfer portal, starting with Julius Brents, who talking about him being 6'3 or 6'4. I mean, to have that kind of length and size at corner, you're, you're talking about a potential NFL corner there. So I, I do like a lot of what I see out of the secondary. Once again, the secondary is going to be big for us, right? If we can play man-to-man coverage when needed, then we can help the front seven a little bit. Um, we're not small on the back end, which I'm excited about, right? You just mentioned the 6'3", 6'4", height. But if you talk about, um, you know, you look at Gardner, you look at uh, the transfer of Reggie Stubblefield coming in. I mean, they've got some guys that can play man-to-man. And so if, if you look at that, then that puts us in a position where we could be a little bit more aggressive on the defensive side of the ball. And then maybe we can get some plays there. If we can get them into third or long, I think we've got a chance. And so, yep, I'm putting a lot of onus on the DBs to go out there and make plays. We need it, right? This is the Big 12. They're going to slay the rock, right? As soon as you see Spencer Rattler and Marvin Mims, they're throwing the deep ball. Yeah. And so you've got to prepare yourself just to make sure that you're not making a play once, but you're making it consistently. And so, yep, Big 12 stakes a high power five football. Here we go. So you got to be ready to go. Yeah, I mean, some other names that you mentioned, Reggie Stubblefield, Sincere Mason is another FCS transfer that they have that I think, I think those guys will be depth depth sort of pieces but man between Brents and then Russ Yeast who's a former four-star recruit who's back there at safety and then Jerron McPherson is really the leader back there and I to me that was going back to last year one of one of the key things that they got him to come back I mean Noah Johnson a similar story on the offense uh, to kind of anchor the offensive line but defensively man J-Mac Jerron McPherson when he's healthy he was another guy that think got beat up toward the end of the year but you think back to like that Oklahoma game that he played he was awesome, flying everywhere, just hitting the absolute heck out of people. Um, he's the type of guy that can be an enforcer back there that's huge. Yeah, Jay Mack is the, is the Skyler version for the de- defense, right? He is the captain of the defense. And so uh, it's in his bloodlines. His pops played for Mizzou. And so he understands what it takes to play big-time football. I'm looking for him to bring a hammer this year. Like the OU game should just be um, one of the opportunities that he he's played well, but he can showcase – to the nation what he can do. And so I've seen him in offseason put in the work. Like I said, all of these guys have uh, changed their body over the last six months. And like you mentioned, uh, for True, the new strength and conditioning coach coming in, he's done a tremendous job so far. Now I want to see a turn. They still have the flexibility, the speed, everything they need to go out there and make plays because ultimately that's what it's about. It's not about looking good in your pads. It's about making plays and making sure you can show up on Saturdays. And so uh, J-Mac is one of those guys. Uh, like I said, Wayne Jones. Those guys that already have some experience in this K-State, uh, it's their time to shine, right, and bring every, all these newcomers, bring them along with you. And so the Stanford game is going to be a big game for, for us, not just because of Stanford, just because it feels like a bowl game. It's in nobody's home, home field, right? You're playing down in Dallas, and the nation wants to see what can you do because if you're looking at the nation, how they look at Kansas State, historically, we've always been the mediocre team, right, in, in the Big 12. Um, you've always been one of those teams where, yep, you can be a top 25 team or you can be out of the top 25. And for us, I say, we've always had the talent. It's just about putting that consistency together. And so if we can come out there and play well on the first game, I think it's going to raise a couple eyebrows for this year. 
Stanford game means a lot because it has been a long time since this team won. I, I've had this date just like seared into my brain over the offseason. But the, I mean, the last time we saw K-State win a football game was October 24th of last year, which was the Kansas game. You know, I mean, from then on, you, you lost out the rest of the year. There were transfers. There was some drama. There was just a lot of really tough losses over the offseason. Recruiting has not, if you're somebody that follows recruiting really closely, maybe not gone quite the way you'd hoped. I still think they're doing a better job than what Bill Snyder was doing at the end of his tenure, but not quite to the level that people have wanted to see here yet. So it's just to erase all of that. I just feel like this, this team and this program, especially now on the heels of conference realignment and some of the drama that that's caused, like everybody just needs some good vibes. You know I mean? Like just yeah. to remember what it feels like to go win a football game. And if, if it comes in Arlington, in Dallas, getting the chance to play at a stadium like that, which you know that the players love, over a program that is a name brand like Stanford, that that would be just massive for what it can mean for the season. Yeah, no, I mean, I percent I think the biggest thing for Kansas State, there's two things they have to be. They have to play fast and they have to be aggressive. If they can do those two things, they got a chance. Um, slow and soft just doesn't work. It doesn't work yeah. as a former player watching, watching them. It doesn't work in the Big 12, and it won't uh, bring any longevity that you want of success to the program. And so – I think that mindset has changed. I think they've got more people on board feeling like that. And so, I mean, 22 days is a long time to wait. I mean, you know, these 24 hours in a day is, is taking a while to go through, but um, they've got to show up. That's it. I mean, if you go out there and get embarrassed against Stanford, you're going to have a long season, right? And so this is the first game that they got a chance to go out there and show who they are. Yeah, tough beginning of the stretch of the season. Nevada will be really tricky, too, in the non-con, and then you've got – Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and Iowa State to start Big 12 play. So it, it gets pretty hairy pretty quick there. But to your point about playing physical, I mean, everything I'm hearing right now is that, one, the attitude in the locker room is much different than it was last year, just much more committed. I think they got everybody locked in and dialed in after some of the things that happened. And then, two, man, I've been hearing at practice, like it's been real physical, almost too physical to the point where they're having to back them down a little bit. So, you know, if you're a fan of playing that way, it seems like things are are going pretty well in that direction right now. Now, off the field, conference realignment front, I know everybody still wants to know about that and what's happening there. Just to pass along some updates that have happened in the last week plus since we last did uh, the show here. Gene Taylor, K-State's athletic director, came on my local radio show, and he said he would be shocked if anything else happens the rest of the year. So I think that would be the main message I would preach right now is just that everybody is going to have to be patient and kind of wait it out here at this point, which – is not really what anybody wants to deal with, but it's just the unfortunate reality right now that it's going to take some time for all of this to materialize. And that sentiment's been echoed by like Max Olson, for instance, who writes for the athletic that we had on the show. He's as sourced up as anybody in the big 12. And he's saying the same thing, probably not going to see anything happen for right now. And uh, it, look, Bob Bowlesby, the big 12 commissioner did meet with the PAC 12 commissioner uh, for six hours. So that was a, a substantial meeting and maybe something eventually develops there long-term. But I think right now everybody feels like, there's some time to catch your breath and decide whether the best to move for the Big 12 is going to be do something with the Pac-12, link up there, or if it's going to be stay back together and add other teams. I don't think anybody is going to get an invite. You know, for instance, we see the KU to the Big Ten rumors. I don't think any of that is coming anytime soon at all. So for right now, you just you have to be patient, which is, I mean, no, nobody wants to do that in 2021, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I think for us, it's, it's one of those situations where everybody's doing their due diligence. Um, I, I think the presidents are doing the right thing is trying to say what opportunities and options do we have? 
Do we stick together? And if so, uh, make it work. I would like to see them stay together, right? There's a big fan base for, for the Big 12. Um, I think it just makes sense. But once again, um, it has to make sense for all the schools. And so make sure that you know your options and, and you go out there and do that. But for, for the players, I don't think I don't think they're worried about that right now. I think they want to play football. And so, as you mentioned earlier, this is the best time to put the, the best product on the field. Go out there and win games and win them decisively. And then you'll kind of change the narrative around how people look at your institution or your college. And so I think that should be the motivator for the players right now. Is, okay, two of these teams want to leave and go to SEC. Well, let's show them when we play them what that really means to us. And let's go out there and dominate where we can. Yeah, I'm glad you bring up the point about the players. I would tend to agree that they probably don't care as much about the realignment stuff nearly as much as as the fans do right now. No. But like as a player, and I know you were playing in a different day and age, there wasn't Twitter and social media and all that stuff going on to distract you. But when there are things like that going on, like how easy or difficult is it as a player to kind of block some of that out and just focus on what you're doing on the field? Well, it doesn't take but one drop of one uh, missed block assignment. You'll find out real quick when you're sitting on the bench. And so uh, – I think for the players, they just want to play football. That's it. They just want to play football. They want to play on TV if they can. They want to make plays, score touchdowns, get in or Um, The ADs and the presidents is going to have that on their shoulders, but the players just want to go out there and play football. Well, play football they will. Coming up on September 4th when K-State takes on Stanford and opens up the season. We are very close. Be hearing more here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we have – no real one big media day, but we're getting different coaches, the coordinators, defensive coaches. So we'll be able to provide some more updates for you on what's going on, particularly on the defensive side of the ball as things roll through fall camp here and we get closer and closer to the season. But once again, I want to give a big shout out to 360 Vodka and Holiday Distillery for helping us out here on the podcast. If you're going to make that trip, which I would highly encourage you to make that trip to Dallas. I know it's an 11 a.m. kickoff. That's not as fun. But, hey, get there for the game. You can hang out in Dallas and party on Saturday, and you can drink all kinds of 360 vodka before yeah. and after the game if you bring that down to uh, to tailgate in Dallas. Pretty easy trip. Look, I was just in Jerry World for Big 12 Media Days within the last month. If you've never been there, that place is really cool. So I, I would just highly encourage you to make the trip to this game if, if you are a K-State fan. I think it'll be worth your while, and it will be uh, very cool. Any closing thoughts, Aaron, before we uh, shut this thing down? You know what? Throw a fade route to Knowles, uh, Texas boy, uh, in the opening game. Give him a chance to make it. I'm looking forward to that. I like that idea, man. I like that idea a lot. That would be very cool for Malik. All right. That's going to wrap it up for us here on the Lock It Up with Kurtz podcast for Aaron Lockett, for BJ Kissel and Tucker Franklin behind the scenes, and everybody at the Kansas City Sports Network who does such a great job. 360 Vodka. Appreciate everybody's help. Take care. Go Cats. And we will talk to you soon. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. 
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.